Hey there, Mike Stelzner coming to you with a fascinating update you might not be familiar with. Did you know that Social Media Examiner can deliver all the marketing, training, news, and trends, insights that you need into your inbox three days a week when you sign up for our newsletter and it's completely free? Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates and take your marketing to the next level. Welcome to the Marketing Agency Show, where we explore solutions to the biggest challenges faced by agencies. Hey, y'all. Thank you so much for joining me for the Marketing Agency Show, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Brooke Stellis, and this is the show for agency owners and agency marketers. We explore the topics that no one else is talking about. So pull up a seat to the table and let's have a great conversation. Today, I'll be joined by Debbie Howard, and she's going to share how to build a remote team that totally rocks. Also, if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow the show so you don't miss any of our future content. Let's transition over to this week's guest, Debbie. To help explore the frontier of working at and growing agencies, here is this week's expert guide. Hey, everyone. I'm super excited to be joined by Debbie Howard today. Debbie started her agency, Senior Living Smart, in 2012, where she and her team of remote operators create strategies, tactics, and other marketing campaigns for senior living operators. It's safe to say that Debbie knows what she's talking about when it comes to senior living because she's been in the industry for 25 years working on the operator side and now is on the marketing side with her agency, Marketing to Them. Debbie... Welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Brooke. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk to you today. So excited to chat today. We're going to be talking about a remote team, but also about your journey. So always the first question. I think I know why, but what made you decide to kind of go out on your own in 2012 and start Senior Living Smart? So my business partner and I just got into this place in our careers where we had, you know, moved up from like a single property level to regional and divisional and then finally into national executive positions. And honestly, we just got tired working for the man. And we're like, you know what? Every time you work for a publicly traded company and you're growing occupancy by a basis point, you know exactly how much value you're adding to to that organization. And yet you're looking at your compensation going, okay, well, I'm not getting any of that. So at some point, you know, we just both said, we've had this great experience. We have a lot of knowledge to share you know, let's go out. And uh, really, our vision was to take everything we'd learned from working for the largest publicly traded companies and translate that into supporting the smaller independent owner operators to kind of level the playing field with the big guys. Because at that point, it was kind of a lot of consolidation and absorption of the smaller independent owner operators that still had mission and ministry and you know, we're serving their neighbors, <laughs> being gobbled up by these publicly traded companies that really traded profits for people. So yes, <laughs> that's where we got to. And we said, let's let's give it a try. And we started off as a consulting company. We had no desire to be a marketing agency. We started off really doing consulting. We starved for four years because it turns out that small operators are small for a reason. <laughs> they have small budgets. And so all of our altruistic vision wasn't really paying the bills. And so we went back to really what we knew. We we asked our clients, well, what do you want? And they said, we just want leads. I'm like, that's it? You just want leads? All right. (laughs) Isn't that always the answer? Yeah. That's 
answer. Well, so tell me this. Are you only serving those senior living? I'm assuming the answer is yes. Those senior living operators or, or places. This is like the place that we all go and like maybe a shop to put mom in or grandma in, right? They're just like senior living communities or buildings. Yes, we have three divisions. We work with the for-profit rental divisions, the not-for-profit, more of the buy-in life plan models. Um, And then we also represent business to business. So some of our clients are businesses that serve the senior living industry. But yeah, our clients range from 55 plus and active adult through independent living, assisted living and memory care. Awesome. Well, it's so sorely needed. If any of you listening or watching have a parent or grandparent who's aging, you know how this starts to become a big topic of conversation. But today I want to talk to you a little bit more about your remote team. It's just I just find this fascinating. So you and I got our start at the same time. I have a fully remote team, but it's so nice to be able to talk to someone else about building a connected culture. Right. Because a lot of times people say to me, like, I don't understand how everybody's remote. How do you even build a culture when you do that? So can you describe the philosophy or mindset that drove your approach to fostering connection among your remote team members? Yeah, I mean, I think. I think the original intent was really just to find the best people. And we knew that, you know, they're not all in one particular market. So we just kind of built the business, finding the best people. We found them kind of from all over the country. And I don't know, it was very natural for us, you know, to build that kind of a of a group of individuals. I think the challenge is really, you know, how do you get them to really embrace the communication, the collaboration? How do you build that team in that remote spot? But initially, it was really just about, okay, who's the best at social media or paid ads or content? And let's go get them because they know the industry. You know, we have most of our folks have senior living industry experience, and many of them came from the operating side. And so they were kind of also looking to get out of the grind of the operations, but they had great experience. And so I think the relationships in our industry really just fostered that ability to kind of find the best people and then find ways to connect them. I really can align with that piece of advice. Like the best people aren't necessarily like in New York City or in L.A. or in some of the bigger markets, right? The best people could be in a tiny town you've never heard of somewhere in a state you never thought they would be in, right? So I love that part of remoteness and remote team and how you can kind of cherry pick, if you will, from some of the best talent that's out there. So there are a ton of tools that are available for remote teams today. How do you go about evaluating and selecting the tools and systems that best fit your agency's culture and needs? Yeah, and I would really give the credit to my business partner, Andrea, because she handles the operations side. I'm I'm more front facing, you know, business development, but she handles all the internal operations. And I know she sits through a lot of demos. <laughs> this is a lot of <laughs> yes. frogs, like spends a lot of time just researching. She's a great researcher. And then we also do belong to the Duct Tape Marketing Consulting Network. Yeah, with John Jans. Yes. And I mean, it's wonderful to have a network of other marketing agency owners that you can bounce ideas off of. And I find that they do a great job kind of vetting and bringing solutions to us. So we often find our best solutions kind of through that network. I love it. Any tools that are like standouts for you or that you deserve an honorable mention while we're chatting today? Yeah, I think our favorite tool, the team's favorite tool is Bonusly. So if if you're having a bad day, go on to Bonusly. 
it's a platform that is peer-to-peer recognition and it reinforces, you know, you know, our team thanking each other for helping them out, helping them solve a problem, getting on a client call, jumping in when they needed some support and what they come up with with gifts and videos is hysterical. <laughs> and it just every time I go on, it just makes me it makes me laugh. So every beginning of every month, all team members are giving 100 points. And then throughout the month, they're giving those points to each other and thanking them. And there's kind of a little competitiveness about it. You get this like, who is the top performer and who has the most points for the month? And maybe who needs a little bit of love? And then at the end, I mean, they can accrue those points. They can either cash them out every month. They can wait till the end of the year and do something special for their family for the holidays. No one's bought a car yet. So we're glad about that. (laughs) What you can donate. So there's charities you can donate your points to. They just turn them into money or you can get any gift card you can possibly imagine on Bonusly. So I would say that's probably number one. (laughs) I love that. I'm definitely going to check that out because it sounds like it's fun, right? But it also is discretionary, which I love, right? It leaves the team member feeling like they're in control, but it also does a lot for that connection piece that we're going to be talking a lot about today. Yeah. So what are the most significant challenges you think you face, right? I, I could probably list a few of my own, but I'm, I bet they're going to overlap a little bit. But what challenges do you think you face when building that connected culture in a remote setting? And how do you combat those challenges? You know, I think the biggest challenge is people working in in silos, obviously, you know, maybe not asking for resources when they need them, trying to, you know, kind of be that lone problem solver. And then cross, I would say cross department communication is probably another challenge. So the teams are pretty close with each other within their, you know, all the client success managers, you know, obviously have a connection to each other. All the tech team is working really well together. But I think, you know, sometimes in the cross-departmental kind of collaboration and communication, I think you have to work extra, extra hard to build those relationships and build that trust. Do you do like exercises or is there like a team mandate or like I'm thinking of a locker room when it has like, you know, inspirational stuff on the wall that makes people want to be a team and work together. So being that everybody's remote and there is no locker room, how do you kind of break up those silos, I guess, is what I want to say. Yeah. So a few things we've done, I think we've just been super intentional about creating culture because we've worked for companies that had great cultures. We've worked for companies that had terrible cultures and those that had a great culture when they were small and they couldn't sustain it as they grew. So we've been like, I would say, hyper-focused on it. So we start off every Monday together as a team, going through the clients, red, yellow, green, you know, any things that you need, what are the priorities, anything you need to problem solve, you know, together as a team. So we start off every Monday. That's super important. And then all during the week, each department has open office hours. So you think about in an office environment, a lot of the great conversations that happen, happen when you're, you know, you bump into each other in the kitchen, you know, at lunch or you get to a meeting a couple of minutes early or you, you linger a couple of minutes late to grab somebody and say, hey, what do you think about this? Or I'm having trouble with this. Those are the moments that are hard to recreate. Yeah. And so by having open office hours, it's just a drop in, right? It's a comfortable space. You can come, you can ask a question, you can brainstorm. And every department leader has open office hours. Myself and my business partner, we have office hours because we want the team to always 
you know, have connection to us, super important. And then the other thing we do is a Friday all team meeting, which is nothing but fun. It's celebration. <laughs> it's <laughs> shout outs, high fives. It's the wins. And then we try to do fun things like whether it's a couple of weeks ago, we had everybody just pull up their phone and pull out a picture and say, you know, you have two minutes to find a picture on your phone of something that made you happy this week. And so we're learning and they're showing pictures of their kids going back to school and waiting for the school bus. And they're showing pictures of their dog doing something silly. And, and so we're learning about each other in a way that's just fun. We do virtual cocktail parties. We'll, you know, do some of those types of things. The team members occasionally will take it upon themselves to, you know, do a group event, which is great because they're initiating it. I think this Friday I'm going to have everybody because it's a beginning of football season. This was yes, <laughs> it's the first week of the NFL. Like, let's all get our hats and our jerseys on. And, you know, if you're not a football fan, then bring something else that represents something you're passionate about. Wear, you know, a, a hat or a, or a T-shirt or something that's your favorite band or, you know, whatever. But it's really about being intentional about learning about the team members. And you find these crazy connections, right? Like this one plays bass and this guy, oh my gosh, he's got keyboards. Like we could have a band. out <laughs> And you know, you would not know that generally. So things like, you know, which reality TV shows you're, you're watching or who has mm -hmm. and what's the meaning of that tattoo. And we just do fun stuff. And every week it's a little bit different. But I think those are some things that have really worked well. I love that so much. And also quick question, because now I'm curious. How many team members do you have? And are they spread across the U.S. or spread across different countries? Or what's that makeup look like? Yeah, we have one new team member in Canada. God bless him. He gets on that Friday mornings, 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. And but he's two or three hours behind. But he gets on there with his coffee and he's wonderful. And then, yeah, we have folks in every time zone except Pacific. Nice. So they really are spread out everywhere. And so that leads me to my next question, which is, when somebody onboards, like say you hired Brooke today and I'm onboarding with the team, how do you quickly help Brooke or the person understand the culture, immerse themselves in that connected culture? And I have a follow-up question to that, which is, has, have any of you met face-to-face? -face? So great question. We are very fortunate that we just brought on a director of people ops. So she really tees up the onboarding schedule and, you know, I think it's interesting, even before we had um, Megan, who, who handles people ops, one of the things we do is the Friday before they actually begin, we usually bring new team members on on Monday. But because we have the entire team on on Friday, we bring them on the Friday before and everybody on the call introduces themselves, you know, what their role is, you know, their family, their kids, their dog's name, like all of these stuff, all these things. And the Friday call is just about us getting to know this new team member and them, you know, having face to face with every single person on the senior living smart team. So I think that sets them up for a really successful kind of day one. They feel more comfortable. And then we have about a, you know, a, a four week ramp up and everything is very structured for them to spend one on one time. They also have their team meetings. They have one on ones with their manager they meet with us to hear about the history and the culture, and then they shadow somebody who's currently doing their job. So they're on the client calls. And there's also just a built-in time to learn, right? So we have hours of blogs that are built in for self-study. 
So one of the things that we've done, which I think has made a big difference, is really focus on documenting all the ways of working. And now we're doing, uh, we have one employee dedicated to business process management, all the documentation and setting up that platform. And so they can go in and within their role, go into that business process management or those ways of working folders. And there's videos and there's, you know, PowerPoint decks and all kinds of information. Um, And we also have time for them to do certifications, um, get their training under their belt. So we don't just throw people into a role. It's very, once again, very purposeful and, and intentional about not overwhelming them and really focusing on the relationships and the culture before we start focusing on the work. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. You said something that kind of got my noodle going. So I want to ask you a follow-up question there. The process and documentation person. I mean, being a remote team, I, I think, you know, and if you're listening and you have a remote team, man, is documentation and process so important. So can you dig in a tiny bit for me and talk about the person who's now in control of that and how y'all realized that was a thing because that got, I was like, oh my God, that's so smart. So I want to hear more about that if you can. Yeah, the, the person who's in charge of it was our number one employee. We hired him right away. He was our director of digital. He's been with us since the beginning. And he's really the company historian. He knows everything. And all of a sudden we realized like everything is in Paul's head, <laughs> you know, <laughs> It's great that he's the keeper of like how we do things. And, you know, he he pretty much has done every single role. When we started, I mean, we're all today very much worker bees. We're player coaches. Every single role is expected. We don't have any assistants. We don't have any minions. It's just us. He was, he built our websites and he did our, all of our marketing automation. He's, you know, certified in HubSpot. He was a client success manager. I mean, he. He has done every role and worn every hat. It made it the perfect opportunity was like, he's the one. He's also just very organized, very detail oriented. As we grew, we just realized that this is a, a super important thing for us to do and a really important role. And so we actually offered him this new position and we have him working with a business process management coach. And then he meets with every single department and works with them documenting every single task and how we do it. And, you know, and then he puts all of the, the, he creates all the video libraries and all the links to everything that might live in the SharePoint, but let's face it, SharePoint gets messy and no one can do anything. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. I'm fascinated by this idea. I feel like we could have a whole, a whole show just on this idea, but we'll move on. But I love that. So if you're listening, have somebody who's marking down or documenting all of those processes. So speaking of tools, uh, which we did just a little bit of ago, how do you collect feedback on your systems, your tools, maybe even your processes? And how often do you think you iterate based on the team's feedback? Because it sounds like the team and how they work is very important. The process that they follow is very important. The tools, obviously, as a remote teams are very important. So how do you collect their feedback? And then what iterations do you make based on that feedback? Yeah, we use a program uh, called 15.5. That's where we do our documentation. We do all of our reviews. We have a roadmap for success for every employee. And then we do check-ins. Check-ins is a way that every team member gets to tell us. And the questions rotate every week. So they're randomized. 
this week, you know, there might be questions on, you know, tell us what's going on well with the culture. What could we be doing better? Sometimes the questions I love when we get the one that's uh, who on the team would you like to know better? And when you when you put in a team member's name, it actually says, great, let's schedule time. And they get a notification that, you know, this team member has said they'd like to get to know you better and, you know, click here to, to book, you know, coffee with each other. And that's been a wonderful way of getting people to set that time aside. And they think you have to empower the team. Like, it's okay to spend, you know, paid time on relationship building or paid time on training. Like, all of that is, is included and encouraged. Um, we also use a program called Time Camp. And it's really just, it's not to measure team productivity. It's really to measure from a client perspective, how are we using the retainer hours? Maybe which team might be more inundated, you know, at the current time, you know, our out of scope charges starting to kind of creep in, but it also allows them to choose that I'm putting in this number of hours for training. I'm putting in this number of hours to meet individually with, with team members. And so I think you have to be really encouraging and empowering of your team. And we learn great things from those check-ins. It's amazing what people won't tell you on a group call or mm -hmm. office hours or even in a one-on-one -on -one conversation, that they'll be much more honest, I think, and vulnerable and transparent. Um, even though their name's on it, it's not anonymous. We know who it is, but it gives their manager an opportunity to kind of follow up and say, you know, I didn't know you were feeling that way. Or I didn't I didn't realize that that was, a, you know, something that you needed more clarification on. And so the check-ins have been really helpful. Okay, I'm loving all these tool mentions. So, so far we have Bonusly, 15.5 and Time Camp. Is yeah. that right? Yep. Okay, so I'm, just, I'm over here taking mental notes. So, well, so what do you do when, or have you ever felt potentially isolated, right? Because it can be isolating sometimes, especially when there's a big project or maybe you're onboarding a big client. How do you help your teams overcome that feeling of isolation? Do you have like any initiatives or activities that you put in place to kind of help keep team morale high and foster that team camaraderie other than the things we've already talked about? I would say the other thing is that when we have a new team member come on, we assign them a buddy. So we found the buddy system to be just wonderful. And the buddies really stay buddies throughout. They have that real connection kind of from day one. And oftentimes it's whoever had was the newest employee prior to this new person coming on becomes their buddy because it's fresh in their mind. They've just gone through orientation and onboarding. And so then they kind of reach back and help the next person um, you know, come up and kind of navigate through, where do I find this? And what's it called? And <laughs> I don't get this. <laughs> that is such a fabulous idea. I love that so much. I'm going to, I'm like, I'm taking so many mental notes right now. So we touched a little bit on it before when we talked about the continuous learning, you can, they can kind of build in that time through team camp, but how do you continuously make sure that people know how important it is, to, especially when you talk about social media or AI, right? These things are changing all the time, every day. So how do you make sure and facilitate your team staying ahead of the curve, especially when we talk about the marketing components of what you do? Super important. And every single employee has a roadmap to success that's individualized for them. And so we talk about a lot about what kind of what their interests are, you know, what, where do they want to develop? And then their managers go out and they find whether it's 
you know, national conferences or local conferences or online classes to the American Marketing Association, or all of our team members are signed up with Duct Tape Marketing. They opened it up for employees as well. So they have access to all of those learnings. Um, and we really kind of create that roadmap with them. So when they first come on board, you know, there's certain certifications that they have to get. We're a Platinum HubSpot partner, marketing automation and HubSpot's, you know, really at the core of what we do. And so there's a list of things that you really have to be accomplished within the first 60 days. And then there are ways of advancing, even if it's within their role. You know, not everyone's going to advance to a director. You can't make every, you know, client success manager a director, <laughs> you know. But you, but you have to keep people engaged and interested and challenged and growing. And so we'll work with them. I think client success managers are probably a perfect one to start with, right? So we sit and we talk to them about what do they like most about their role? What would they like to learn more about? You know, do they want to become that lead or that specialist in a certain area? So we have one uh, team member um, and you have to be with us for a year. And then after a year, it's like, okay, what do you want to do next? And we have a new team member that loves onboarding new clients. Nobody loves onboarding new clients. <laughs> it it's a lot. Oh, yeah, God, There's so much going on. There's a million details and they don't know who has the password and they, they can't remember like what, who has the Google business profile information. And so it takes a lot of patience and just organization and documentation skills. And she loves it. She loves spreadsheets and organization. She's like, I would really love to do that. And of course, the rest of the CSMs are like, yes, please let her do that. <laughs> and so, you know, that will become kind of her specialty. And, you know, with that, in order for her to do that, she'll have to take some courses in project management. She'll have to, you know, but she'll also get a, a nice bonus and pay raise in order to do that. So we work with each team member. One person might want to be the reporting specialist. Not everyone is really excited about reporting. Nope. <laughs> but if we have one CSM who loves it, they can really help and that adds value to the team. Or, you know, GA4, if you want to be the Google Analytics, analytics specialist, awesome, do that. <laughs> Bring that. The yes, please. <laughs> That's so great because it feels like you're just taking what people are naturally interested in or what they're good at. You're, you're playing to their strong suits, which is obviously a smart strategy. We've talked about it a lot without saying the word, but what I'm hearing behind the scenes with everything we've been talking about is trust, right? I feel like that keeps like skimming the surface. So if we were to actually say the word trust, what do you think it takes to build and maintain that trust with your remote team? Like if someone's listening right now, or you could just be talking to me because we've got a very similar situation. What's the key ingredient for building trust? You've, you've said all these things, but what does it really boil down to if you could pick one thing? Transparency. You have to be super transparent. You know, if something's going bad, if something's going wrong, trust your team to share it with them. You know, they will rally behind you. If you have a new initiative, share it with them. If you're looking to restructure your organization as you grow, let them know that. I think nothing builds trust like like transparency and you can't be transparent enough and know sometimes I feel like gosh we share absolutely everything <laughs> we tell our team everything the good the bad and the ugly and yet so you know I saw a check-in from a team member yesterday who was like you know I'm not really sure you know that I know everything that's going on with the company and I'm like gosh, I just don't know what else we can do to communicate it 
But, you know, maybe it's just you have to hear something seven times, right? And so, you know, if we just mention something on a Friday call to let the team know, hey, we have, you know, these new clients onboarding. We're right now working on matching up the the client success manager that's going to take them on. We're looking at the timing to make sure we don't overwhelm the team because onboarding is, you know, a huge undertaking. Um, you know, they still might might be wondering, well, am I going to get that client? Is anyone going to ask me if I'm getting that client? I don't want that client. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it just may be that, you know, not only do we have to say it as the owners of the company, but we have to make sure that our leadership team on their one-on-one and on their team calls are also reinforcing those messages and really making sure that that, that transparency is happening at all levels. Because sometimes things get stuck in the middle. And I think as owners, we can we can think that we've been very clear. And yet, if you ask somebody, you know, you know, at a client success role or something, maybe it wasn't as clear as we thought that it was. That's such good advice. I hope everyone listening, I hope everyone is listening. I guess that's what I want to say, because this has been fantastic advice-wise and tool-wise. My next question is, There's a whole conversation, let's call it discussion that's happening right now about back to office, hybrid or remote work. And, you know, it was remote work during COVID and then it was back to office. And then they were like, oh, no, we can go hybrid. And then Zoom recently was like, no, everybody has to come back to the office. Zoom, (laughs) who was like the champion of working from home. So what are your feelings about the future of remote work? Do you anticipate keeping your fully remote team? Do you ever see yourself going to a hybrid model or anything else entirely? And just what are your thoughts in general on remote versus hybrid versus in-house? Yeah, I mean, I think that remote really is here to stay. I don't really want to be that that agency that's fighting it because honestly, one of the number one things that when we ask our team about what they love about the company and why they stay, they're like, because it is remote and you're not making we come back. And, you know, frankly, a lot of the things that they're doing are kind of, you know, deliverables and timelines and, you know, more task focused. And, you know, they can do that remotely. I will say that we do have an office. We just expanded our office and added a kitchen, which I have to say is awesome. (laughs) Very exciting. (laughs) We have, we do have team members that are close enough to come in. I'm waiting for one right now. He comes in a couple of days a week. We have others that live within probably an hour, hour and a half. They tend to come in around twice a month. And then we have folks that are, you know, in driving distance that might stay over and maybe come up once every couple of months or quarter. But when we are doing strategy, we fly them in. I just think strategy, you've got to be face to face. You have to have the, you know, the ideas board. You, you have to shut off all of your devices. And I feel like that's worthwhile. So our team was just together at the HubSpot inbound conference in Boston. Oh, me too. Shut up. Oh, I yes. wish I'd known that. We won. I know. <laughs> you could have met them. They're all just awesome people. So we flew a bunch of like probably six or eight of our team members came in for the inbound conference. So that's oh, our that's kind so of. so wonderful. Yeah. Was it yeah. amazing? Yes, I think the event was amazing. But what I think is more amazing is that you're a HubSpot company, which you've mentioned, you're, you know, pretty much remote here and there hybrid, but you brought people together for an event, which they were able to do all of the things that we were talking about. They were able to learn. They were able to get together. They were able to strategize and think of new ideas together. So, I mean, you're really practicing what you preach. And I, for one, appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they loved it. They they just had a great time. So. 
that's kind of our opportunity. And then we bring in small groups. So like we're going to be doing our 2024 business planning. So the leadership team will come in and work together through that. Because I just feel like those types of things get your team together in person, whether you fly to them, meet somewhere centrally, or, you know, we're outside of Boston. So we just fly everybody in and they stay for, you know, two or three days. And it's great, you know, team building. We just have fun. We go axe throwing. We like... Okay, so we did an escape room, and I tell you, I would not have escaped without them. They are way smarter than I am. I'm like, I don't know. I don't get these clues, and thank God they got us out of there. So, oh my gosh, I love it. So, last question for anybody who's listening or watching, and they're, you know, maybe trying to transition into a remote team, or maybe refine their remote team, or the how they work, or their culture within that remote team. All the things we've talked about. What are the top two pieces of advice that you would say they absolutely need to understand to kind of get to the other side? I would say, first of all, really identify your culture. So for us, it's an acronym. It's SPICE, which is be strategic, be proactive, be innovative, be collaborative, and be engaged. I love it. And everything we do reinforces our team for one of those attributes. And so you know, once you've identified kind of what the culture is that you're going to rally your team around, then you've got to figure out, well, how do I make that actionable? Because if it's just a word or just a plaque on the wall and it doesn't mean anything, you know, like on those Friday meetings, it's like, okay, who this week can give me an example of a team member who was collaborative, who was super engaged this week on your team? And so you have to not only, I, you know, create it and identify it, but you have to culturalize it and make it actionable. So I would say that's really number one. And then I would say number two is hire for culture. Skills are out there. Plenty of skillful people out there. We have a three-step interview process. It begins with our director of people ops. She's interviewing for culture. Nobody gets past her. (laughs) So after they're a cultural fit, you know, then they go to their manager for kind of the second interview, which is more of the skills fit. And then finally, for myself and my business partner, we also personally interview every final candidate. And then, you know, we usually get down to, you know, two and oh, sometimes it's just so hard. Uh, It's just so hard. But a lot of times it comes down to the culture and kind of what you feel comfortable with. Like, who would you want to go out and have a beer with? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I love that so much. Gosh, I mean, I've taken so many mental notes. All of the three tools that you've mentioned are in my brain. I'm going to like hop off this call and go check those out right away. But for anybody who wants to connect with you, Debbie, how can they find you? What are you working on? Where are you at? Tell us all the good things. Very active on LinkedIn. So Deborah Howard, Senior Living Smart, probably the best place. Obviously, the website has all the contact information. We just were outside of Boston. So we're, we're East Coast, but we do serve throughout the United States. And we just landed our first Canadian client who's been great. And do we really love them? And then we just launched a call center. So that was a really big undertaking. And frankly, just because we got so tired of generating leads and then listening to the call rail calls and hearing how many were mishandled, redumped in voicemail, told to call back. It's just heartbreaking when your team is working so hard to generate, you know, sales qualified leads that are just the right ideal fit for them and they can't even answer the phone. So ah, we opened up a call center and we're just like, we're not only going to generate the leads, but we're going to qualify them, disqualify them, advance them to tours and really own the entire thing. So 
that's been a really interesting new project that we just launched in February. Awesome. I can't wait to see what happens with the call center. Customer experience is so important and it's such a huge part of marketing. So I love, again, you're just, you're preaching, but you're living what you preach. So thank you so much for joining us and we'll see everybody next time. Thanks, Brooke. Thanks for listening. If you're new to the show, be sure to follow us. If you've been a longtime listener, let your friends know about the show. I'm at Brooks Ellis on Instagram and Twitter. And for fun, make sure you tag at SM Examiner. Also, be sure to check out our other shows, the Social Media Marketing Podcast and the Social Media Marketing Talk Show. This brings us to the end of this week's Marketing Agency Show. We'll catch you next week as we explore the adventures of marketing agency life. The Marketing Agency Show is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.